Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we are continuing the series of Women Who Run With the Wolves. We're on our second chapter. It's a pretty beefy chapter, but um, it's essentially about the, the story of Bluebeard. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about to talk about this. This was a great one. But yeah, it, there's going to be a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. But before we do that, we pulled some cards. Yes. Or Haley pulled some cards. Yes. And uh, yeah. As you guys know, I don't really have much knowledge when it comes to this. So I'm just going to say the cards that we pulled. And then Paloma and all of her excellence and wisdom, she's going to go into a little bit more detail about what they mean. So we wow. pulled the Ace of Cactus, which... This is the one that we used in the previous episode, um, the very special New Mexico tarot deck um, where the cactus represents pentacles. And so we pulled the ace of pentacles and the high priestess. Yeah. It's, what, it's a what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, right off the bat, these are really beautiful cards. And I love how this artist, Lindsay... Uh, really uses vibrant colors and isn't afraid to use it. And I just love the use of pink. I personally love the color pink and there's a, a sweetness to it. Um, but the ace of pentacles represents the number one, ace being number one. And so when we think about the number one in numerology, um, it's all about new beginnings, um, initiating, like starting new energies, new projects. And when we combine that with the pentacles, which represents the earth element, um, the physical realm, we think about like starting new financial prospects, career prospects. Mm. Um, sometimes it can be people's like fitness journeys or health journeys. So anything that kind of has reign over the physical realm and starting something new and it's it's just like a new seed that's beginning, which I feel like this podcast has been for us is starting a new seed and mm-hmm. combining that with the high priestess, which the high priestess is wise and I feel like she represents the journey that we're kind of on right now where we are learning all about spirituality, which that's what she's doing. She, not in this deck, but in the like traditional writer way, oftentimes the high priestess is holding um, a scroll and it represents like the studying of, of uh, spirituality and the metaphysical realm, um, which is what we're doing. We're kind of doing that tradition of the high priestess of going beyond the, the mundane world and we're mm-hmm. diving deep into our shadows and diving deep in, into the metaphysical realm and there's a certain stillness in it of just having really um just a good amount of peace with within yourself mm-hmm. i also love how um because i'm looking this up just because i i know that i need to continue to, to learn about these cards and everything and so um the the website that I'm on right now also says that the high priestess also represents the divine feminine, which we I think we touch on every single episode. Totally. So I think that's also just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's beautiful in this card. The way that the artist depicts it, 
is um it's I, I I'm trying to remember the specific tribe. I think it's the Zuni tribe. Um, in New Mexico, the the woman will have their hair in such a way where that's kind of what Star Wars mm. that like Princess Leia, mm-hmm. uh, like two braids on the side of her head. It was inspired by I believe the Zuni people. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so she's having that traditional hair um, wrap thing going on. So mm-hmm. it's really beautiful. And I think that's another great example of what the high priestess is, is she's learning about her traditions mm-hmm. and learning about um, just sort of um, diving deep into her own history. Mm-hmm. So I think that's wow. what we're doing too. Oh, I always learn so much. <laughs> Me too. We haven't even really officially gotten started yet and I'm already <laughs> learning so much. <laughs> Woohoo, go us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to to get us kind of started with chapter two, um, and what I really love about this book is that each chapter focuses on a story, and then she breaks it down with each part um, of how that can relate to the wild woman. Um, and this one in particular, she's talking about the story of Bluebeard, which I'm going to give a very brief overview of what this this story is, and you can always read the full story in the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, or you can just Google it. Um, but it the story goes where there's this man who she actually makes it very apparent that he was considered a failed magician um, with an eye for women, um, which is also, I think, very important to the story. Um, he quite literally had a blue beard, um, And so he was courting three sisters at the same time, but naturally they're all very frightened of, you know, why does this guy have a blue beard? Um, And so he's trying to convince them that, you know, he's like, oh no, like I'm not scary. And, you know, to, to prove it, like, I'll like, let's just go and, um, you know, go ride horses and go take the dogs and we'll go ride into the forest. We'll have food. It'll be a great time. Um, And So, you know, the sister started thinking like, oh, well, you know, maybe he's not that bad. Um, But later on, the two older sisters, they started having like those fears that come up again of like, oh, gosh, I I can't shake it. You know, like it's it's freaking me out. I can't do it. But the youngest sister, um, she kept telling herself that like, well, this man is really, really charming. And I mean, that means he can't be that bad. Right. And so the more she talked to herself the less awful he seemed to be. Um, and then in that way, the less blue his, his beard was, uh, at least seemed to her. Um, and so when he asked for her hand in marriage, of course she said yes. And she thought she was making this amazing decision. They move into his castle. Um, and then eventually later on down the road, he has to go away for a little bit. And so he's telling her um, like, all right, great. So when I'm away, feel free to do whatever, you know, invite your family over, um, here, you could even have my, my ring of keys and feel free to open up any of the doors and go into any of the, um, you know, any of the rooms and explore, have a great time. But he does tell her there's one key in particular that she cannot use, um, to open up that particular door, but everything else feel free, you know? So immediately, um, there's this like curiosity that like is intriguing. Um, and so he leaves her sisters come over to the castle. They're having a great time, um, having the place to themselves. And of course the youngest sister tells her older two sisters of like, okay, here's the rules that were set. 
Um, we could do anything with any of these keys, except for this one key. We can't, we can't open this door. Um, and so naturally they begin opening all the doors and they start searching for where this key could possibly go. Um, when they do finally come across that door, they put the key in, the door flies open, but the door, um, but the room itself was actually very, very dark. And so they needed a candle to, to look inside of it. Um, so they brought a candle in and immediately they noticed that the floor is just covered in blood. There's piles of bones and corpses, skeletons all stacked in the corners. And it's just like this terrible, just gruesome scene. And so immediately they are just, they slam the door. They're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? What did I just see? Um, and they, they try to just like, okay, that wasn't, a, that wasn't real, right? Like that, we definitely did not just open a door that had that in that room. Um, and, but as soon as the, they looked at the key that was used to unlock the door, there was blood on that key and they could not like by it, like they tried so many different things to get blood off that key and they could not get it off. And the key was actually still actively dripping blood as they were trying to clean it off. Um, and so she decides to hide it away, put it in her wardrobe, make it seem like she lost it, hoping that, you know, her husband wasn't going to ask about it. Um, so when he does come home, naturally he wants to know like, Hey, how'd everything go? Um, how are all the rooms? How's all, you know, like, how's the, the kitchen? How's the money rooms? How's everything? And she's like, Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, and then she, then he realizes on the ring of keys that one particular key is not there. And she's like, Oh, I, I think I lost it. I think I was, you know, riding in the woods and, you know, I think I just fell and I just lost it. And immediately he becomes very aggressive and hostile towards her and just gets very, very loud and, um, says like, you went into that room, like, how dare you? Um, and he goes and he grabs her by her hair and starts dragging her by her hair down the hallway to that room with the skeletons and everything. And he says, you know, now it's your turn. And she's, you know, pleading for her life. And she's just like, no, 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 please, please, please. Like, just give me some time. Let me just prepare. You know, like if I, if I know that I'm going to be dying here soon, just let me kind of put everything in order and just prepare myself for this. And so, you know, he, he agrees. And so she runs up to her room and she, um, has her sisters help her look out for, um, the, their brothers that are on their way to the castle. And, um, long story short, as she's running out of time, you know, Bluebeard is coming up the steps and he's angry and he's, you know, just very, very upset and annoyed. And like, he doesn't want to waste any more time. Um, and then right at the, in the nick of time, right before, you know, he, he gets his, he snatches her again. Um, her brothers, you know, ride into the castle on their horses and then, um, go by, uh, repeatedly stabbing him until he dies. So yeah, that is the story of Bluebeard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a lot of different parts that we're going to be breaking down about this story. Um, but at least I think that will give everyone a good, good idea of kind of what we're going to be talking about of, um, you know, we're, we're going to be diving into what blue Bluebeard represents, um, and what the youngest sister, but also the older sisters, what they represent as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a really great, um, summarization 
of the story. <laughs> like, I think you hit all the notes, especially because there's, like, some details that are really seemingly small but are, like, actually really important. Mm-hmm. So I think you really um, summed that up really well. And so now that you've you've heard the, the, the story itself, we can start unpacking what does that mean. And Clarissa does an excellent job of really breaking it down. But I found that, you know, each chapter that we've read or the introduction, there's so much knowledge in there. But I felt like this this chapter, not only is it a big chapter, but there's just so much like nuggets of wisdom mm-hmm. in all of it. So one of the first things that um, she, Clarissa brings up in in breaking down this story is this idea of predator versus prey Mm -hmm. so we know that the the young girl she is you know the prey Mm -hmm. in in this sort of story and her husband is the predator and she talks about how oftentimes when we get kind of stuck in our own loops or our own narratives or there was a moment where she described it as when women are caught up in their own dramas um, is that we can kind of start replaying certain situations over and over again. Mm-hmm. And in my last episode or our last episode, I mentioned my like abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that this was really um, affirming and it kind mm-hmm. of calls you out on your own stuff. Cause yep. it's like, of course this isn't her fault of, mm-hmm. of any of this happening. Like, of course the husband is cuckoo crazy mm-hmm. and doing this and he's the one who's the murderer, but she ignored her own intuition. She ignored her own inner power. And that's what mm-hmm. kind of, that was a part of this. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't just a, a black and white story. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of layers. And in a sense, I think that when people end up in really bad relationships, they're kind of bringing out different parts of each other Mm -hmm. that's replaying their own narratives, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, of course, Bluebeard is bad for what he did, but Clarissa brings up this point um, later on that a lot of people say that his character was unredeemable, Mm -hmm. that he was just purely the bad guy. Mm -hmm. But she kind of argues that there was parts of him that... Uh, is redeemable and that he was acting out of a lot of his own shame, mm-hmm. you know, killing his wives and putting them in a closet. There was something in that f- femininity that was bringing a lot of shame and rage. Mm-hmm. And that's why he felt like he needed to do that. So he has his own baggage and she also has her own baggage and they're just kind of playing off of each other mm-hmm. sort of thing. And it takes her finally, um, having stepping in our own power to get out of that Mm -hmm. um and in this story she had in unfortunately she had to experience that to realize oh my gosh like there's real danger out there and if i'm not paying attention if i'm not actually listening to my instincts my intuition and um you know just kind of being aware of the of the situation then that could really put her in a, in a very dangerous position. And it was very, very close to ending the same way that all the other previous wives ended up. And it 
she, Clarissa, um, I mean, and, and this is already just like what you've talked about, but the, the prey, so the naive woman as prey of how important it is to, especially when, you know, girls are young or they're still immature and experienced, they don't really know any better. Like, it's almost like they have to have that experience, unfortunately, to awaken that, that part of them. Um, but what I loved is that she related it to, um, the wolves, um, which she always finds a, a great way to, to, you know, to bring wolves into it. And so she talks about how the, um, the, the, the mother wolf, how she will go out to hunt. And if there's any of her little younger pups that go to follow her, she immediately, you know, turns around, snarls at them, maybe like bites at them because she needs to be harsh to let them know, like, this is not safe for you. Do not try to do like she, it's like that, that tough love. Um, and something that Clarissa brings up in the Bluebeard story is that the mom was kind of going along with everything. Yeah. And that's like the scary part. Um, whereas the two older sisters that they had like weird feelings. And they're like, no, I don't really like him and don't want to be around him. But the mom was just kind of like in it for the ride. She was like, oh, sure. Yeah. Like, let's go eat some good food and let's go ride horses. And, and so even in that example, like the, the older, more experienced, the more mature, um, womanly figure is not keeping her younger pups safe. And that's what also makes this story kind of very scary is how can we just kind of be on check of who we have in our lives and who we're learning from. And like, if their intuition isn't in check, it's probably going to affect our intuition. And so that was like a huge takeaway that I had from the story was just like, oh yeah, like what did the mom do if she did nothing? Like, oh my gosh. Like I, I mean, I know if my mom was in that situation, she would just be like, get the hell out of there. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, it's something that, you know, I want to strive to be. If I ever have kids, it's something that I want to strive to be of just how can I set my, my younger pups up for success because the world is pretty scary and and there's a lot of different kind of predators out there and um yeah yeah, yeah. I th exactly that was one of the things that really stood out to me too is the mom she's not immune to being a, a prey as well because in a sense she's kind of the prey too because mm -hmm. she was just as um convinced mm -hmm. as the daughter was and Clarissa kind of points out that uh, the mom is not immune to her own baggage. Like mm -hmm. she still probably has generational trauma that made it so that she ignored her own mm -hmm. intuition. And it's, you know, of course the mom in the story, it, it kind of is framed that the mom didn't have any intention. Like she wasn't trying to put her daughter in yeah. harm's way, but it was because the mom didn't wasn't in touch with her own intuition that mm -hmm. she couldn't protect her daughter mm -hmm. either and it shows us that how important it is to heal that generational trauma because mm -hmm. um I know yeah just by experience of like when I've had some mentors of like women especially mm -hmm. again being a musician having mentors that are older than me who've done music for a long time who who know how it works and you kind of rely on them to guide you mm -hmm. um 
But the music scene in any place has a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of predators in musical spaces. It's not just one genre. It's all genres. It's pop. It's, you know, rock spaces. Mm -hmm. It's jazz spaces. It's classical. There are um, any community that you go in that there's going to be unsafe people. Mm -hmm. And it's important to really be aware of who you are looking up to, um, who you are relying on to guide you because they are also human who have their very, like they're imperfect as well. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't mean harm, sometimes they can lead you to harm, Mm -hmm. not by intention, but just because like they're ignorant to it as well. So the biggest thing that really stood out for me, the conclusion of this story was knowing how to protect your space, protect Mm -hmm. your energy and protect yourself. Um, And it's hard because as Clarissa mentions in the book is she sees with some younger girls that she's worked with that they have this sort of um, rose colored glasses view of the world Mm -hmm. where they just feel that, you know, everybody has good intentions with them or everybody means well, Mm -hmm. or just, um, they kind of ignore this the warning signs because they're trying to to hope for the best yeah. with people. And she talks about how, like, although that is in some senses admirable, it can also lead to a lot of harm mm. if if you if you do that. So I think it it's important going back to this idea of like you don't want to be bittered to the world, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't want to become hardened, but you also need to know how to protect yourself and know when the red flags are there and know when to walk away. Because if you don't know how to say no, there's going to continue like throughout your entire life, there's always going to be situations where people are not going to have good intentions with Mm -hmm. you, whether it's workplaces, whether it's personal relationships, whether, um, it's certain tendencies. If you don't have that, that discipline, within yourself or that intuition in yourself to know when to walk away, then it just hoping that people won't do things to you is, is not like a sustainable way to approach it. Yep. And she, Clarissa points out how women are taught to focus on the wrong things. So to be pretty or to be nice and how that, and she put in, she again brings it back to the wolves where it's like, Okay, so you're in the wild. A wolf is not going to be worried about being too nice or being yeah. too pretty where they're face to face with a predator. You know, it's like, I am in danger. I need to stop, like, focusing on these things that are just not relevant. Um, like, yeah, it's it's fine to to focus on things from time to time of like, yeah, like, I want to feel pretty and I want to be nice to this person. But that doesn't need to be your entire identity because the um, – she goes on to, to quote – As long as a woman is forced into believing she is powerless and or is trained to not consciously register what she knows to be true, the feminine impulses and gifts of her psyche continue to be killed off. Yeah. And so, and that's what, it bugs me so much because I've gotten so much backlash in my life about how I wasn't nice enough. Mm -hmm. I don't smile enough. I don't, whatever, you know, and we get so focused, like society wants us to just focus so much on just like, oh no, you're a woman, like you need to be pretty or you need to um, not be so loud or you need to, um, yeah, you need to smile. You need to be nice to everybody. Like there's all these different things that we are taught to focus on 
and it takes away the actual focus that we need to be having on things of how do we protect ourselves and see those red flags and not get ourselves in those situations. Um, and so it just, it's just like, it made me so frustrated because of how true and accurate it is. And it's something that like, I've had to go through time and time again of just like, why was I nice to that person? Like, why was I so focused on, you know, how I came across and, um, where really like I need to be protecting myself and I shouldn't have, you know, been that open or, you know, I shouldn't have been focusing on those kind of things. Um, and, and then the thing that really, really bugged me was how she's like, Carissa, she goes into, she says some psychological thinkers, including Freud and Bettelheim have interpreted episodes such as those found in the Bluebeard tale as psychological punishments for women's sexual curiosity. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. And it's true. She brings up these like moments of where we say, oh, a guy's investigative mm-hmm. or he he is inquisitive and we have a positive connotation with that. But with women, it's like, why did she do that? Mm-hmm. Like if she just only would have not been curious, her yep. nosiness got her in the way, yep. curiosity killed the cat, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it is really frustrating. And I noticed myself saying that even the story of like, why did she have the curiosity to go in there? Like she should have just paid it, like just listened to him, did what he wanted to do. And yeah. But then Clarissa brings up this part of where, when he said, you know, you can go into any room that you want, you can have anything you want except for this. And so it's, she, she said it in such a perfect way of like, it's, it's giving you the illusion of wholeness Mm -hmm. of total freedom, except for one little thing. And that's not what true freedom is. So actually you're not free at all. No, exactly. And so it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it almost catches you on a technicality Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, technically like I can have basically anything. And it's like, that's not anything, is it? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like, some people may look at it and they interpret it of, wow, she's so lucky to be in that situation. Like, wow, she has a castle to herself. She can literally go anywhere, do anything, bring anybody over. And so there's some people who are totally fine with living that way of life. We're just like, okay, here are my boundaries and I'm staying within within them. Um, kind of going back to the Lilith and Eve um, episode and conversation we were having where there's some people who are totally fine living that life of I'm not asking questions. I'm content here. I'm fine with settling here. Um, I don't want to make it harder on myself because it's almost like they kind of know that there is something that they shouldn't yeah. <laughs> try to, there is a door that they shouldn't open up, but they don't want to confront it. And so they're just like, I'm just going to stay in my little happy little bubble and everything's going to be fine. Um, whereas there's also a lot of us that like, okay, great. Like you're telling me I can do anything, but you can't, you're telling me I can't do that one thing. And so immediately I'm just like, I want to do that one thing because like, how dare you tell me what to do? So when she opens the door, it's she's crossing that psychic, that psyche barrier, which in Clarissa goes into this, the meaning of doors of talking about the, the idea of there were more doors to tombs than to homes. And the very image of a door meant something was spiritual, like something of spiritual value was within and, or something had to be contained. And so I just love it's, I just love it because the story, when you first read it, 
is so just kind of straightforward. You're like, yeah, that, that kind of sucks. And that's, it's whatever. But then you really start breaking it down and she puts in all these other meanings and um, symbols in there where it's like, yeah, no, you open that door, you are being exposed to this whole other spiritual side of life and realizing that the life that you've lived up to this point is not a hundred percent full. And it, it, it rocks her in that story. And it's like, I can't go back from it now. And so she has to face it. I mean, it's, it, we, we hear it in other stories. It's like Alice in Wonderland, you know, once she goes down that rabbit hole, there's, there's no way that she can ever be the same again. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also this movie, I think by Slavoj Zizek, and it's called The Idiot's Guide to ID or The Pervert's Guide to Ideology. And he talks about how um, we all have our own certain set of ideologies, whether it's through religion or through your own like sense of nationalism, uh, just your own culture of what you believe is right, what's wrong, what is, you know, the best, what's not. And so when he talks about how you kind of have this like earth shattering moment where you see a glimpse of another culture or another lifestyle or another country that lives nothing like how you do. And especially if it's been something that you've been taught is like wrong the whole time that it's like so earth shattering once you kind of see a glimpse of the truth Mm -hmm. of what actually is. So he kind of gave examples of with like, different countries propaganda mm-hmm. you know of like each country like here in america we're kind of told that we are like land of the free that we are the most like powerful mm-hmm. and then when you start to get a glimpse of how much propaganda is fed to us mm-hmm. and how like how bad it is mm-hmm. in america it's really earth shattering he talks about that with um like with the KKK too, of mm-hmm. these people who've been raised their entire lives in cultures that like black people are, mm-hmm. are not pure, they're evil, mm-hmm. they're not good and how earth shattering it is mm-hmm. for that, for them to realize. But it takes a lot because a lot of it has to deal with in order to keep your ideology alive, you have to have a certain level of denial that mm-hmm. you're living in and a yep. certain level of delusion that you're living in on a regular basis. Yep. And once you kind of um, lift the veil of that denial and you're like not in denial for even a glimpse. It's just like, Oh my God. And it's so like gut wrenching. Yep. And so I see the, like this, her opening this door of, I see it kind of like a mirror Mm -hmm. shattering or like a porcelain doll cracking Mm -hmm. of where this whole mask that they've been trying to keep this whole time and she kind of clarissa talks about it how the key that was bleeding mm-hmm. gets all over her wardrobe all mm-hmm. over her clothes and the clothes representing this mask that you wear yep. in in your everyday life to the outer world and there gets to a point where you can't even hide that anymore mm-hmm. of what's really going on yep. down below so it's like you can't go back you can't just mm-hmm. like unsee all of that mm-hmm. yep so and i love the quote that she says um the the deepest work is usually the darkest yes and that hit me hard because and we've brought up shadow work and we've brought up you know those kind of things but she says do not be afraid to investigate the worst and just going back to the last episode we're talking about like just always ask questions and always be curious because it's 
like that's where the real work has to get done and it's not comfortable by any means and um shadow work is definitely known to it's it disrupts you it makes you uncomfortable because you need to be exposed to those parts you need to shine a light on those kind of parts like i guess if your body if your mind is the castle right you're opening up all these doors you're like okay whatever it's fine i know the you know i know what's in all these doors there's always going to be a door that you're like oh i really don't want to bring the candle into this in this room but you have to because you have to face it and yeah and it's, it's yeah it's also going to be horrifying like yeah. that's the other thing about shadow work is we do this because we ultimately want to feel better mm-hmm. and we ultimately cuz when we do shadow work it is going to bring inner like more inner peace mm-hmm. But when you first are unpacking things, it's going to feel awful. Like it's going to get worse before it gets better type of thing. Like it's not like you open the door and you unpack it one by one and it's going to feel better little by little. It's not like a linear feel better plot. Mm -hmm. It's more of like you open it, immediate drop down. Everything that you ever thought about yourself is completely diminished. You Mm -hmm. don't know who you are. You don't know if you're like we were talking about this earlier before we recorded. You don't know if you're a good person. You don't know if you're a bad person. You don't know what you stand for. You don't know what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Everything that you ever thought about yourself just completely goes down. So mm-hmm. it depletes and then it's an uphill climb yeah. from there. But first, like everything has to drop. Yeah. And I think that's what makes people so scared is that, I mean, and that's, you know, one of the reasons that I think therapy is so beneficial for people and, and you know, doing this kind of work is so beneficial but yeah, like I, I'm very bad at, um, beating myself up about like, why am I not better? And why am I not, um, you know, at this level already? And it's like, I expect results immediately. And so it's hard when it, you're, you open the door and you're like, this sucks. And I don't, I don't want to like move forward with this, but you know, that like in the long run, it's so much more beneficial to you to just get get in get dirty and like really like confront those those demons and those dark parts of yourself and um or the dark parts in your relationship your life you know what have you and it's and that's probably one of the reasons why this chapter was so like dense um especially for me was it's it's a lot to kind of sit with because it it kind of just punches you right in the face you're just like yep that's I know I need to, I need to address those, those dark, uh, locked rooms and in the castle. And, um, I know I'm not ever going to be the same after that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's like, I need to, you know, also like kind of be proud of, you know, if, and if you're listening and if you are doing this kind of work, you know, this shadow work or, um, any, honestly, any kind of work on yourself, um, just take a moment just to like, be proud and like, I mean, I know it sounds silly, but give yourself a pat on the back. I never actually understood why people did that. I'm like, that's so awkward, but (laughs) I guess give yourself a pat on the back, but, um, you know, give yourself like a a nice hug if you, if you can, um, because it's just, it's not easy, but you're, you know, and there's somebody that I spoke to recently. Um, he, the quote was, um, you do hard things for, Okay, you, when you do hard things, you get an easy life. When you do easy things, you get a hard life. Oof. And um, that's like exactly what this is. Like you have to get the hard stuff done 
because later on it's going to be so much easier to, to tackle that stuff versus if you try to hide from it and run from it, it's going to come out in different ways later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hard meaning like doing the hard work. Cause I think a lot of people get confused with hustle culture. Mm-hmm. Of like I need to grind and I need to like constantly be working my tail off mm-hmm. to get a certain result, but that's not like the, where the real hard work lies. Like no. the real hard work is actually taking care of yourself. Um, ending self-destructive behaviors Mm -hmm. and facing yourself like that's the biggest thing it's easy to you know show up to a job and numb yourself out because everybody's like coping mechanisms are different um like i know for me working is is my like coping Mm -hmm. mechanism Mm -hmm. but i'm also a capricorn so (laughs) (laughs) so you don't know any better (laughs) exactly (laughs) But yeah, like everyone's coping mechanisms. And I really liked um, this idea of the sin eaters Mm -hmm. of how, so at the end of the story, like he dies and then they feed him to the sin eaters, which are like buzzards, vultures, these types of creatures that you hear in a lot of different stories that sort of purify Mm -hmm. them and make it so that they can have a fresh start if Mm -hmm. they want to. So I think there's a certain sense of like, if you take the story of like, not only are you the the girl, but you are also the man. Mm-hmm. You know, you are both the villain and the victim. Mm-hmm. But you also are the person that has the ability to redeem yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like when when you stop seeing yourself as like identifying with one, but identifying with all, you can kind of see and have compassion for all parts. Mm-hmm. You know, like with Bluebeard, he's this man who was so for me in my eyes when I read this story it just and we started unpacking it it just made me think of like he must have had a lot of envy Mm -hmm. for this feminine energy that is so creative Mm -hmm. and so curious and so innocent and there's a part of him that's wanting to capture Mm -hmm. that while also kill that yeah and so like just realizing what if there's parts of ourselves that are like him Mm -hmm. too you know of moments where um where you see that you're trying to hide a part of yourself away that you're trying to lock away too Mm -hmm. and that you like rage out when either it starts the door starts opening or Mm -hmm. when somebody else opens the door and triggers something in Mm -hmm. you and you like flip out there's Yes, he is did really bad things, but we've all been the villain yeah. of like our own story and somebody else's story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and something that comes to mind is the envy that I get um seeing other women like living their best their best life best lives and being their best selves. So because I it's internalizing where I'm like, "Oh, why can't I be that free? Yeah. Or why can't I be that playful? Or why can't I?" And it's almost like this instinct kicks in where I want to kill it immediately. I'm like, "Mm, you can be done. Like I, like I, I mentally like do that to myself where, um, like I just, I want to take that attention away from them and I don't want, it's like, it's a really messed up thing, but I catch myself doing those things where it's like, yes, it's a mirror where I see these people just being amazing and living free and just 
happy and just no cares. And they're just being themselves and being authentic. And I'm envious of it because I can't be that for whatever reason. I haven't let myself be that way in that moment or in my life period. And I immediately just like get upset and I don't want to be around it or I want to, you know, poke holes in the situation or whatever. And, um, and so it's, and I really like how you touch on the, the sin eaters of, you know, Bluebeard, even though he did something so terrible and we do things that are also terrible, um, we still deserve a, a, a fresh start and a, and a time to kind of get a, like a, a redo of like, okay, I did not approach that situation the best in the past, but I'm trying it again differently this time. And, um, to have that kind of grace and give yourself that kind of grace, I think is also super important. Um, because I'm also very bad at talking very negatively to myself. And so it's freeing to know that I can, I can get another shot at it. And so even though the story is very much a bad story, if you're Bluebeard, um, <laughs> there's also a redeeming quality to it. Because if you're like, oh, crap, I actually resonate a lot more with Bluebeard in this situation, um, know that like there's still hope and you still have a chance to make things right. And that could be the metaphorical door that you're having to open to, you know, to, to realize that. Yeah, I think that is so honest because there, yeah, there are times where like to go back to the, the jealousy and the envy where you see people and I do think that he was envious. He saw like his other wives just mm -hmm. um, be who they were. And obviously mm -hmm. he was attracted to them for a reason. So part of him was drawn to that, mm -hmm. but he just couldn't accept that, you know, and fully embrace that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that with like just people and, and it's especially hard on social media these days. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody says that, like everybody says like, oh, social media is hard. <laughs> everybody is always showing all the only good parts and you never mm -hmm. see their bad parts. And I get that. Yeah. But it's also really hard when, um, I think what really sucks for me is knowing that bad things happen to good people every day and good things happen to bad people every yeah. day. Yeah. And so sometimes a lot of my jealousy and envy comes from like, I don't feel like those people deserve it mm -hmm. because I know a whole bunch of people who are so much more deserving mm -hmm. in my eyes, who are so loving and kind and humble, who deserve this opportunity more, yeah. you know, or deserves to have something more. And not that I'm the judge, like who am I to judge really? But also at the same time, it's like, we all know people that like sometimes I'll go on TikTok and <laughs> I see these videos of girls. It's it's like this sort of trend where girls will talk about like the girl who bullied them in school. Where mm. are they now? Yeah. And the start of the trend was like, oh, now she's like a nobody, blah, 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 in the small town, like mm -hmm. my high school bully. But then the trend ended up where some girls are like, yeah, now she's ultra famous and really hot. <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> where it's this like... Oh my gosh. It's, it's so crazy because I'm, yeah, I have a very bad habit of doing this. I'm like, well, karma's going to catch up to you. And, um, where I'm, you know, growing up and going to school, high school, college, whatever. And 
you see these people who can just get away with anything, like do whatever they want to their bodies and still just look awesome and be awesome and be loved by everybody. And I'm over here like, okay, I don't do like any of that stuff. And I'm still struggling so hard. Like, why? (laughs) Like, why is this? Um, I'm just like, well, eventually I'm going to see you, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, hasn't happened yet, but, (laughs) um, I think that's just like a huge growth opportunity though, because, um, because Clarissa goes into how to, I don't know if she says kill off, but like, how can you like tame and approach like your inner predator? Yeah. And so when you're having these thoughts of, um, and the example that, that she uses is, um, like the predator and you was saying like, Oh, like you never finish ever anything. Like you just, whatever. Yeah. Whereas you go to that and you're like, actually I finish a lot of things. And so like, how can we have that positive self-talk and kind of shut down that predator? And so in these moments where I'm over here, like getting envious and getting all this kind of stuff, um, where like my inner predator is just saying like, you know, you're not fun enough or you're not whatever enough. And I have to go back and tell myself, no, like, Haley, you're fun. Like you're, you're good. Like, like I got, I got you. And, um, and that's like, how do we not feed the predator? But then how, but then there's also a weird balance that she talks about where it's like, well, like you have to like give the predator some attention, like, so that they don't like come back in like full force. And so like, how do you, and like, and of course I rewatched Harry Potter. And so I'm thinking about like the, the, the Dementors of like, you just gotta kind of keep them off, you know, like keep them at bay, <laughs> like give them enough attention, but like not, you know, that much power. And, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's just a constant struggle of like, okay, so it's not like I am going to ever for like, it's not like I'm ever going to get to a point where I don't have a predator. Like those thoughts are going to continuously come up in my head and, it's going to be something that I'm just going to have to to grow and learn from. But also I can use that to how do I talk to myself in return and how do I view myself in return? And so that part, it's like it was good to read, but it also was not so great to read because I'm like an all or nothing kind of person. And so I'm like, oh, so you're telling me that I'm still going to have my predator around all the time yeah. for the rest of my life. Okay, great. But that's just life. And I have to kind of come to terms with that, that I just, it, it is what it is. And I need to learn how to just treat myself a little bit better and kind of shut down those thoughts and comments about myself before they become huge things. Yeah. I think it's really interesting of kind of what you brought up of like, really the moral of the story is like kill your predator, but you, it'll never die fully. <laughs> Just harm it, yes. but know that it's never actually going to go away. Tear it to pieces yep. so it can't destroy you, but it will always be there in other ways and forms. Yep. Like there's there, yeah, there is something to be said that there. Will we ever find true peace? true mm-hmm. inner peace and that's mm-hmm. the thing that's like really sad and disappointing because mm-hmm. I feel you if I'm an all or nothing mm-hmm. and if I can at least know that one day there will be a day where I don't have to worry about my inner self harming mo- me or yeah. other people harming me then that's what I want but this is kind of what she talks about in the book of like that's part of maturing and mm-hmm. there's a quote that I want to bring up where she kind of says all creatures must learn that there exists predators. 
that both within and without there is a force which will act in opposition to the instincts of the natural self. Mm -hmm. And that malignant force is what it is. And it's just kind of understanding that, like, there's always going to be harm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always been something that's hard for me, especially growing up in a religious home and with the with the narrative of uh like revelations mm-hmm. and the end times mm-hmm. where you're always told of one day there will be a day where there's no more evil yep. left in the planet or yep. in the universe and so you kind of get this idea of like one day mm-hmm. if i can just have hold out another enough hope that one day i will live long enough to yes yes <laughs> to or like, it. yeah there, there will be like one day where like all of this is going to be okay mm-hmm. And so there's, like, that's the way that you find peace Mm -hmm. with all the chaos of the world is you're like, oh, I I know that this is what it is now, but one day it won't be this way. Well, then what happens when you realize that it's not going away? Yeah. And if it is, it's not going to go away in your lifetime. Yeah. Like, in this lifetime, there's going to be people with bad intentions on this planet. Mm -hmm. There's going to be people with bad intentions who want to harm you. And, um... Part of the thing that I always felt drawn to is this idea of paradise, of this idea of one day earth um, will have peace and that people will one day find their inner peace. And Mm -hmm. and not to say that I don't think that'll happen because I think that that's kind of what the soul's journey Mm -hmm. is doing. Mm -hmm. But recognizing that there will always be good that prevails, but there will always be kind of um hatred yeah and there's always going to be that balance there's always going to be the light there's always going to be the dark yeah and and the dark isn't always bad like i think that there's different layers to darkness like yeah our inner shadow when you do shadow work you realize that your darkness isn't actually all that evil or or Mm -hmm. bad or or whatever you've kind of previously thought it was um but with that being said, that there are people who are genuinely that bad, who you, even if they don't mean to be harmful, mm-hmm. they can be really harmful in your lives mm-hmm. and really have negative intentions. And so that's a really hard thing to kind of come to terms with, yeah. you know, because then you realize like, oh, some people are actually really trying to hurt me and they're not just doing it on accident. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to that nature symbolism of the animals just know like predators are always going to be out there and so how can you in your life and what you do and your practices and you know all that kind of stuff how can you set yourself up knowing that like you are going to come across predators whether they're internal external what have you but like how can you just learn from it and then like do better next time and so like there's a certain reason why certain animals hunt during the day hunt at night or only live in certain areas like they've taken all of this they've adapted and they've um yeah they've learned and they've grown and and so how can we as humans um especially women like how can we just okay this is something that I know I'm going to come across all the time for the rest of my life it's kind of freeing when you kind of come to terms with that like in one of our first episodes we're talking about um being comfortable and coming to terms with death so it's like another thing where it's like all right well I know it's going to happen. All right. It just doesn't really surprise you anymore. And so to just know when that does happen, here's what, like, 
here are the tools that you should be using and here's how you should be treating yourself during that situation. Um, and let's just, you know, cross our fingers that we don't end up like, you know, all the, the skeletons in the, the dark room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, there is, yeah, there is a certain sense of freedom of just knowing like, okay, it is what it is. Like it's here to stay. Um, and I'm just gonna try my best. And I think that's really where the peace comes from is mm -hmm. to think that we have control over the outside world, mm -hmm. but especially like us, we do have control over ourselves, but sometimes we are just also chaos. We mm -hmm. are everything. We are nothing. We, there's a whole bunch. So it's like having that grace and compassion with yourself of like, I'm going to act out in subconscious ways that mm -hmm. I don't even realize that I'm doing and I don't have control over yet. Yeah. And that's just part of it. I'm working on, you know, learning about myself and mm -hmm. I'm working on trying to gain better understanding and, and trying to harness this energy in myself better. But there's just inherently parts that I'm totally blind to mm -hmm. that I don't even realize. And, mm -hmm. and that's part of the process. I'm going to keep going door to door. Yep. Figuring out in my little castle, I'm going to go door to door and figure out where <laughs> are the bodies. <laughs> where are the bodies? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Where are the bodies? And like, um, to go back to like the, the, I mean, in conclusion, not in conclusion, but like, <laughs> but like so much of the story, there's so many different lessons that mm -hmm. come from it. It's not just like how not to be naive. It's also re like realizing that like you are naive. You don't have to be. Mm -hmm. You are good. You are bad. You are capable. You're incapable. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's so many things in this story. And I felt like, yeah, reading the story, I didn't really think about it much, but once she started unpacking each and every symbol, it was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Yep. There's a lot here. Yep. Yeah. It's more than just a story about a man who has a blue beard. Yeah. Who's, it's so much more than that. Who's cuckoo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like <laughs> this idea of, um, how do you protect yourself? Like on a day-to-day -day basis, how do you protect yourself from um, unwanted energies or negative mm -hmm. energies or people who seem to drain you, mm -hmm. um, or family members who just like, obviously they're never going to leave because you're a family, but, yeah. um, how do we deal with that sort of stuff? I'm very much still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to, to quote that book that you, that you're having me read the empath empathy, oh, empathy yeah. guide for yeah. I'm going to have to get that title right. Um, the Empathy Guide for Highly Sensitive People. The Empath Survival Guide. Yes. By Miss Judith Orloff or whatever. Not or whatever. I don't mean that disrespectfully, <laughs> but I can't remember if that's totally your name. But yeah, the Empath Survival Guide. I remember like the cover has an orange circle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And so it was, and I'm only a couple chapters in, but it's already proving itself very useful because it's not only am I a highly sensitive person, but it's also just like, yeah, we really need to do better at protecting our energy. Um, and like, how do we kind of like put up a shield when we know that there's like negative toxic, ener toxic energies around us and not bring that into our own space. And like, yeah, like it's great to, we can learn to have a shield to block us from the negativity 
the things that are going to drain us, but we can still let the positive and the yes. energizing, um, you know, parts come in. And so, and then she goes into grounding and, you know, in your personal life, work life, you know, what have you, and just like what you can be doing and what you can be practicing. And so I'm just really looking forward to putting that into practice because I do, you know, every day I'm interacting with, with different people and everyone is on their own, their own energy oh, yeah. level. And you never really know what you're about to be walking into. And, and so it's just like, okay, how do I not feel just so emotionally drained everywhere I go? And, you know, she talks about, um, the, like why she doesn't go to parties and why she like hates going to the grocery store and all these things where I'm like, yeah, why am I feeling so drained? Why do I all of a sudden feel like, oh, my back hurts or I have a headache or, um, these things. I'm just like, I'm just not preserving and protecting my energy the way that it needs to. And like, and I know that it would have been great to, to know this and practice it a long time ago, but I'm glad that at least I'm getting introduced to it now because I can set up, you know, the rest of my life like this. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm not going to get a hundred percent there right off the bat. I need to give myself grace, but also I know that I can just, okay, that's your energy. That doesn't need to be affecting my energy. And how can I create those boundaries and, um, you know, kind of cut that off. And when can I just physically leave and just, whew, all right. I don't need that to be weighing on me. I can just let that wash off. Yeah. And I think that's like a, like an awesome superpower to have. Oh, an awesome <laughs> superpower. No, it's like the best. I, I know for me, um, so right now I, I teach, one of the things I do is I teach music to kids and sometimes when they come in, you know, they've just had such a hard day mm-hmm. on them and they are just so energetically drained mm-hmm. and not just like physically tired, but just, you know, they had a bad day and, and they were just overstimulated or they had a bad experience with one of their classmates or mm-hmm. their parents or, um, somebody and children are such a great way to kind of see that in ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's it's like they kind of show that mirror and so when we talk about self-protecting our energy kids are so porous Mm -hmm. you know like they they are just so absorbent to all the energies Mm -hmm. and so are we but we like forget that Mm -hmm. and when I first started getting introduced into like energetic I guess energetic magic but it was Mm -hmm. more like energy practices okay it was, um, when I was doing this course, it was, um, uh, Tarot Without Bullshit. I can't believe I forgot the name, but <laughs> it's this course, and sorry for my cursing, but it's Tarot, um, Without Bullshit by okay. Sabrina Scott, and she's one of, like, one of my amazing sort of mentors or teachers that have taught me so much on my mas- magical mm-hmm. journey, and when, before we even start learning about the the like meanings of each cards or the symbolism or anything like that Mm -hmm. the first thing that we kind of talk about is energy and energy work how do you create a a safe space when you're doing a reading whether it's for yourself or with somebody else how do you create a safe space where the energies are not like Mm. negative energies are not uh impacting it so she kind of brings up of 
how to do a daily practice of doing like an energy shield of, okay, every day you have this sort of energetic shield and um, she does like video calls once a month. I think Mm -hmm. she's still doing it, but Mm -hmm. with all of her students who are enrolled, we'll kind of talk about it of each of the different um, modules. And so we talk about like, okay, what does our shield look like? What does it feel like? Mm -hmm. What does it do? And so mine was always like this white bubble and mine was always just kind of like this really almost like soap bubble Mm. type thing. And it had like white sparkles in it. Mm -hmm. And my conditions were that like it would, my protection bubble for the day would either protect me from any and all harm and negativity or it would absorb the negativity and like transmute it into something Mm. good. So depending on how I was feeling that day, I'd kind of um, program it certain Mm. ways. And so you can program the energy around you to do certain things. And what happens if you've like, let's say you didn't shield for the day Mm. Um, or there was just like this really strong energetic presence that Mm. was still impacting you. How do you cleanse yourself from that? How do you like get it off of you, yep. you know? Yep. Um, cause yeah, that energy can stick and, and it's really, um, easy to like ruin the rest of your day, mm-hmm. you know, or like ruin your next week or month or whatever. Yep. Um, so those, I think honestly for any sort of beginner, I think energy work is like one of the best things cause you're going to use energy. You use energies all the time. Mm-hmm. And energy work is, I think, one of the most effective things that anybody can do. You're going to use it if you do really high level magic or if you do, you know, just simple like meditations, you're going to be needing energy work the whole time. So learning how to kind of like manipulate the energies, move it around, program it is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I love the image of, of the, of the bubble of just like no, this is like, you are not allowed in my bubble. Um, but then again, like another Harry Potter reference was like Dumbledore turning the, what is that? Like all the glass that's getting shot, which I can't remember what movie it is, but Voldemort has like all these glass shards and he's like, like, wow. Directing all of yes. them. And then like Dumbledore like turns all of it like into like, um, sand or ash or, or whatever and and so it's really just like we're we're so powerful like when we when we tap into that because someone can just like abruptly like come into your space unannounced uninvited and bring a whole nother level of every like just completely change your day but you choose what to do with that energy and so you can either go on their exact same level and just be like, all right, now I'm equally as pissed or I'm equally as stressed out or I'm equally whatever. Or you could be like, okay, sucks for you, but I'm still focusing on the thing that I'm focusing on. Um, and like one of my favorite things that I need to do better at, um, was that saying where it's like your, what is it? There's a quote from Bob Carter um, it says poor planning on your part does not necessitate an emergency on mine. Ooh. And so I think that really does kind of hit that same thing where it's like, okay, just because you're stressed out and you're on this level does not mean that you need to bring me yeah. to that same level. Exactly. Yep. And there's so many different ways that you can like, again, programming your protection shields. Mm-hmm. Like I've 
heard people who program their shields of like it just purely like is a mirror bubble. So like whatever weird energies that people place onto them is just going to get reflected Mm -hmm. back out to them. And you can program it that way. You can also program it of like, um, yeah, you can program it with so many different ideas. So I think that you can still have your shield and like be like, have fun and have a good time while also like knowing when to disengage Mm -hmm. the negativity, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and like you can give people space, you know, like you can hold space for people and say, Hey, like, I'm really sorry that you're going through something, but yeah, like going back to what you were talking about of, you know, sometimes people do something really nasty and you're just like, God, I wish I given them a piece of my mind. And sometimes (laughs) people need it. Like you don't have to engage in it. You don't have to be as like angry with them. But you can just say, like, you know what? You're being kind of a jerk. Yep. And and you're not engaging in their chaos. Mm-hmm. You're not, like, steeping to their level. But you can just be like, hey, the way that you're talking to me is not okay. Yep. And it seems like you're going through a lot, but don't ever talk to me like that yep. again. You yep. know? Because we all deserve to have that respect for ourselves and yes. for, our, for our energy. And I... I very much, it's easier said than done. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's, and I'm also trying to get into the the practice of talking to myself the way that like a dear friend would talk to me. And yeah. so if anyone, like if you were telling me a story about how somebody treated you and was talking to you, I'm just like, how, how dare they? Like you need <laughs> to just tell them off and like whatever. And so um, it's like, how can I like be my own like cheerleader yes. in that? in my own like hype girl um of just like no like that's a little crap like just shut that down right now because you don't deserve that you don't deserve to be you know spoken to that way and it's unfortunate because i'm seeing a lot more signs nowadays um you know especially like in the airport like when i'm traveling of how blatant people need to be about like hey if you like treat our employees badly we will kick you out yeah. like it it's becoming such an issue now where people are like, they think they could just say and do whatever and they're not going to get in trouble for it. Where it's like, no, we all deserve to, to work and to live and to like socialize in places where we're not going to just like get harassed or bullied or, um, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And so it's just, we all just need a good lesson on how to preserve that and how to make sure that we're not being that negative energy source to people Um, but then also realizing when we're like, okay, yep, nope, I need to shut this down. I need to walk away. I don't want that to be affecting me and I don't want to put up with it either. Yeah. And I think like, um, what Clarissa was brought up in the book of just women have kind of been groomed into, um, like forgetting their own intuition and forgetting their own boundaries Mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of being nice. Mm -hmm of when you're told to be nice all the time, like you need to be nice to everybody because you're told like, oh, that's what's polite. That's Mm -hmm. what's socially expected. When you're told to be nice, it makes you abandon your own intuition and abandon your own like self-empowerment. And um, I think that like, it's really easy to lose ourselves. It's really hard to protect ourselves. It's really hard to act in a way that's in alignment with, um, what's best for us. So, um, 
niceness doesn't really get people far. And I know it's really hard, especially in this modern day and age where we're kind of told that that's like what corporate networking is. Mm -hmm. That's like, especially in social media day and age where Mm -hmm. we're told that networking is like so much to about sucking up to people who are disrespectful, who are rude, um, who are like flat out mean or abusive or Mm -hmm. harmful. And we're told that in so many professional settings right now that it is so hard to, um, it's so hard to like, yeah, to just decide not to be nice anymore Mm -hmm. and decide to like have boundaries because all of, you know, American culture at least is so conditioned towards this fake politeness of fake niceness. And it is easy to lose track of yourself for the Mm -hmm. sake of professional development. Yeah. Um, like corporate spaces, I know that women feel that pressure all the time mm. to just kind of get these weird, like out of pocket comments towards them and then just kind of take it in yep. because there isn't a really safe person to stand up for you or to talk to about it mm. or to tell them no because they hold a h- higher power than you. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard when, when there's power dynamics involved to really stand authentically with yourself but this is something that I've been working on with myself um yeah going to school and being in in school for music being in the music world is it's all about networking it's all about trying to get people to like you Mm -hmm. and how how like unempowering is that (laughs) and like why can't I just be held to the standard of how good I am. Yeah. Like, why does it matter how much I smile or how much I just joke around? I'm like, why can't you just judge me based off of my accomplishments? Yeah. And that, like, it's not like I'm being a jerk. It's more just like, no, I'm just focusing on the things that actually like do matter in the long run. And there's just so many just unnecessary reasons that people are like, oh, well, I don't want to work with that person because they, I don't know, like, yeah, whatever. Like they didn't look at me or they didn't smile at me or they didn't, or I don't like how they look like they're, I don't know. Like some people are actually very picky about that kind of stuff too, yeah. where we hold physical looks a lot higher than like accomplishments, um, or determination or, um, which is just like that double-edged sword, right? Where it's like, okay, well girls growing up, like you have to be really pretty. And then like, when you're pretty, like, it's just, it's, it's like never a win-win situation, like situation. And it's just, it's just so messed up. It's, it's really frustrating. And yeah, it's like, you want your work to speak for itself. Mm -hmm. Like that's what you really want. And, um, of course, you know, connecting with people and having a good time is really great over your work, but, um, when your success is dependent on how digestible you are and how mm-hmm. approachable you are, it becomes really exhausting. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, I've met people who are god awful, terrible people in the music scene, and they just get a lot of work because they just know they're really good mm-hmm. at manipulating people. Mm-hmm. They're really um, like charming. And they just know how to read people and do Mm. that. And so they get a lot of work because they just know how to do that. Meanwhile, their ethics are horrible. They have horrible character quality. And if you don't have something that they want, they're going to treat you like trash. And Mm. so it's really hard. Um, 
to live in a society where it's like niceness hurts mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. but then other people are awful and not nice at all and they get everything that they want and you're like this doesn't make any sense and so that's why I don't think that niceness really is going to serve you in the long run anyways Mm -hmm. because there's plenty of people who are just like you know they can flip it on and off and on and off and they get whatever they want because they just know how to work people Mm -hmm. you know so um and I do believe in kindness and politeness yeah. for sure. But yeah. I think that this idea of like, especially just being nice or just being likable or agreeable, mm-hmm. it's it's never really going to serve you in an authentic way. Because even the people that it is serving, like the people who are being like fake nice mm-hmm. to others to get, you know, work, um, they're never actually being themselves. And yeah. so that's something that they have to live with. It's yep. like, what's it like to never be yourself? Mm-hmm. So To never let people in completely. And yeah, it's all like a really fine balance. So how do we heal from this? How do we grow from all of this? What Clarissa talks about, um, it's in my page 57, And she says, a starved soul can become so filled with pain, a woman can no longer bear it because women have a soul need to express themselves in their own soulful ways. They must develop and blossom in ways that are sensible to them and without molestation from others. In this sense, the key with blood could be said to also represent a woman's female bloodlines that have gone before her. Who among us does not know at least one female loved one who lost her instincts to make uh, to make good choices for herself and was forced, therefore, to live a marginal life or worse? So when we talk about niceness and when we talk about, like, our own villain and victim, mm-hmm. we have to be honest. And I think Clarissa mentioned so many times in this chapter, but also in this entire book that really accessing your true self is doing the shadow work and then creating, Mm -hmm. being a creative person, being Mm -hmm. like allowing your soul to express itself, whether it's through weeping and channeling that like total mourning Mm -hmm. for all the, all the experiences that you didn't deserve. Yeah. Um, or channeling that rage through something in a really creative way Mm -hmm. or um allowing you to be in touch with your own sensuality and your own fun Mm -hmm. um the best way that we can heal is do the work to understand and unpack ourselves as much as possible and unpack um the times that we were the victim and the villain and how can we get better next time and do better next time and then how can we just be ourselves yeah and stop hiding mm-hmm. the the thing that resonates with me as as i hear you talk about that is knowing that emotions are completely natural and how i don't even allow myself enough time to let those emotions run their course mm-hmm. um a lot of the times when i'm doing the shadow work or I'm, you know, struggling with energy and I'm all that kind of stuff. Emotions spike. I either get angry, I get stressed out, I get um, 
I mean, it just, it's all kind of, I get like amped up, I get, you know, whatever. And, and I try to explain like my needs to the people around me of, I need time to grieve this expectation that I had or grieve this, um, person that I thought I was going to be getting like here. So like if, um, like if there's somebody on my team that, um, is not doing what I thought that they would be doing, like, it's almost kind of like this grieving process of like, okay, so like, as I'm changing the expectation, I'm changing the the role that they play in, in all of this, but then also in my mind, like it's, it's hard because I, I know that I need to allow myself space, but then how do I juggle it with, but I'm also at work and I can't be unprofessional and I can't mm-hmm. just constantly let my emotions get the best of me. And so it's for me, the hard part is, it's like, okay, I'm mad about this and I need to be allowed to be mad about it. And I don't want people to view me differently because of it. It's more of like, no, this is natural. And as long as like you get it out of your system and you come back the next day and you're fine. Like, and so it's like, how do we create a safer space, um, an open space for people to know that like, it's okay to feel these emotions. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to, um, to not be a hundred percent all the time. Um, because a lot of the time everyone just kind of like, why are you upset? Why are you whatever? And like it, it like this guilt trip of like, oh, apparently I'm not allowed to have a bad day or I'm not allowed to, um, to get emotional about something. And because people don't want to see that negative side of you, um, which really is so much more harmful because you're repressing it and you're, um, creating whole new triggers and traumas because of it. So it's like, oh, great. Now I actually don't even know how to handle my own emotions in a natural way. I have to watch really, really sad movies to like get myself to cry, or I have to, um, really like focus and hone in on being angry or something to like, actually like let those emotions come out. Um, and so it's a lot more damage in the long run. And, and so you like, you're talking about healing and all that stuff of like, how do we, how do we heal from it? And I think a really big part of at least my healing is giving myself that time in that space and not being upset with myself about it, knowing that I'm like, no, you're human and this is okay. This is not forever. Like this emotion is not forever. It's most of the time it's, I need to go to sleep or I need food or I need to go take a walk. Um, but it's just, I know it's going to pass. And too often we hold people accountable, um, for like these negative emotions, I guess, when in hindsight, no emotion is negative. It's just natural. It's, and I can't remember what book it was that I was reading. Oh, it was, it's a book that has a bad word in the title. Um, (laughs) well, I said that I said mine, I said my bad word. So, (laughs) um, so it's, it's the book, The uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so it's talking about how emotions are um, almost kind of like a call to action. It helps us realize that something needs to change. Something needs to happen here. And so it's like, why am I getting so angry? And like, you need to take the time to actually like sit with it, process it, everything. Um, because from then you can you can change it moving forward or you can address it, you can tweak it, whatever. And I don't do that. And I think a lot of people also don't do that. 
And then that's how you have like the bursts of stuff because they're repressing and they're not actually taking the time to naturally let it move through their, their mind, their body, all that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that book is so amazing Mm -hmm. because I love how it actually doesn't put a negative connotation with rage Mm -hmm. or anger or frustration Mm -hmm. or annoyance. All these feelings that we have, we often feel like, oh, they're negative. We need to, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, cause I know for me personally, every time I, I get angry or frustrated, I feel bad. Cause I'm like, oh, they didn't mean to like, you know, mm-hmm. like I feel a lot of shame about feeling angry, mm-hmm. but I like how that book kind of allows the reader permission to be angry mm-hmm. of like, yeah, feel angry. Because it's not forever, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person for feeling angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, every time you I, – I think I'm starting to realize that every time you suppress these feelings that you're trying to avoid, every time you ignore it, it's going to come back, but it's going to come back stronger and meaner mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more intense. So yep. it's like the more you can just feel it then and there – and sometimes you're right. It's not an appropriate – time Mm -hmm. like sometimes you just feel really strong emotions at a workplace or Mm -hmm. in public and um in an ideal world like you can be able to express that Mm -hmm. then and there but we just live in a place where you know oftentimes you're just gonna have to wait until you go home or wait until you get to your car or wait till you get to the bathroom to kind of feel that um but yeah you're right that like just because you might have to put a pause on it sometimes does it mean that that gives you like a free pass to just like ignore it until you stop like until that emotion passes Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like it's still gonna be waiting for you yeah and you still have to like go and address it because just because you're not feeling the immediate like urgency of it anymore doesn't mean that it's not like sitting in the corner waiting for you to look at it and acknowledge it yeah yep yeah yeah, so I think all of these things are just really important. And this chapter, we kind of talked about like a lot of things that were beyond just the the initial moral mm-hmm. of the story or the initial lessons that it was trying to teach. But there's so many different layers to the human psyche and this idea of, yeah, just like going back and forth of being the victim, being the villain. Mm-hmm. Um we are simultaneously not responsible for what happens to us, but also responsible of how sometimes, sometimes we do kind of place things onto us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's up to us to kind of know how to deal with it or figure out how to deal with it in a healthy way. Yeah. There was a, um, an Oracle reader that, um, that's local and, and she's done a couple of readings for me and, I just get so curious with people in that line of work because you're opening up this world, this avenue, this energy, right? And I asked her, I'm like, how do you like not let this affect you? Like, how how is that? And she's like, no, that's completely on. Like, if you're working with a practitioner who does energy work, it th- that's on them completely. Like, yeah. if they can't release that, if they can't wash that away, that is completely on them. Do not blame yourself. Like it's yeah. not up to you to cleanse them afterwards. It's their choice. And that's, that was like such a, 
such an eye-opening thing because it's like, no, yeah, it is up to you. Like, yeah, it kind of sucks to hear because um, a lot of the times people want to play the victim of like, oh, like why that happened to me is like, well, actually you kind of like, you can still choose to take that energy or not, you know, like just, Hey, leave it at the door, you know, um, or go deal with it the way that you need to deal with it. But it's, yeah, I, I, and I've, it's been months since I've, you know, talked to that reader, but it just really resonates with me where it's just, oh, okay. So it's not my fault. If like, if somebody absorbs my energy, that is their choice. And yes, I should probably do better at like, <laughs> like not spreading bad energy and negativity and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just, yeah, it's, it's kind of on everybody and how they take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of a weird analogy, but like for music, we're told like some of our mentors will ask the question like, whose job is it to keep time? Mm. And like everybody's answer is always the drummer, you <laughs> know? And that's always like the trick question of like, no, it's everybody's <laughs> responsibility to keep time. <laughs> so it's not just one person. It's not just you. It's not yep. just them. And Clarissa also brings up another point with this book that sometimes women get stuck in their own trauma loops Mm -hmm. of she kind of brought this up of you know times where we all know somebody or have been that person where we get so stuck in our cycle of heartbreak Mm -hmm. that like we have girlfriends that like one after the other seeing a new guy and get Mm -hmm. their heart broken seeing another guy who's really bad get their heart broken and it And what these guys do to them is awful, but it's also kind of like at a certain point you are agreeing to this, Mm -hmm. you are consenting to this, and it is your duty to fix it. Yeah. So that's where... Because you're the only one who can fix it. Exactly. And and it's easy to be like, well, they did the bad thing to me. Mm. And depending on the situation... Because sometimes, you know, people do bad things and and people really didn't have any way of being able to protect themselves. But in cases like this, sometimes you have to be like, well, okay, yes, they did the bad thing to you, but who allowed them to do that? Mm. So, Or are you allowing that to stick around mm -hmm. and let it affect you for longer than it needs to? Yeah. 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 Because all of this goes back to like this whole book talks about your inner power. Mm -hmm. And if you're the one who keeps giving your power away, eventually that is going to be your own fault. I mean, Mm -hmm. what they say in the Bible, like, um, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. They say that in the Bible? Yeah. Oh, wait, really? (laughs) Maybe I'm getting that confused with to teach a man to fish. fish that definitely sounds like the it's fish from the bible one is the bible <laughs> jesus was a pisces so they say um is that a good thing or a bad thing for me i mean sometimes <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know it's like it is that it is all of this goes back to your inner power mm-hmm. and sometimes we are we haven't awakened to what our power is. And in that case, like, you know, we are kind of at the mercy of life imposing its will on us. Mm-hmm. But then once you kind of awaken, you're like, oh, wait, it was me this whole time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because 
bad things could have happened to me in the past, but the fact that I'm still holding on to those things, I'm still giving it power. And that's completely on me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And sometimes people do like really bad things. Like sometimes, you know, really deeply traumatic things where it's like, like, like if a family member gets uh, like an illness and, and you're like, well, like this isn't your fault. Mm -hmm. Like, I know it's not your fault Mm -hmm. uh, with some certain illnesses where it's like, you couldn't have done anything. Mm -hmm. This is, this is just kind of life being the chaos that it is and out of your control. And there are part, there are energies in the world where it's like, it's out of your control. You have no influence. There's nothing you could do to prevent it. Mm -hmm. But we actually do hold a lot more power than we think at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that said, this was a great chapter. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great chapter, and there was a lot to digest. And just to think, like, we're only a couple chapters into the book. I know. Wow. Wow. All right, well, stay tuned. everyone for listening to this episode of the spiritual curiosity podcast next week we'll be talking about protection work protection magic and energy work that we do to protect ourselves and feel free to follow us on our social media pages we have instagram and tiktok the handle will be for both at the spiritual curiosity pod where you can follow us see photos videos all of that fun stuff In the meantime, stay stay curious. curious.